Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. If you have a Bible with you, would you please open your Bible to the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament and chapter number one. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under a chair in front of you. You could take that Bible and turn to page 43 and you would be at Luke chapter one. I don't have to tell you that we're in the Christmas season. And I think the story of Christmas can be easily overshadowed by insignificant things. I mean, if we're going to be honest and transparent, too often at Christmas time, our focus is on things like our scramble to buy gifts. Uh, sometimes our energy is more built around the decorating and the cooking and the cleaning that has to be done. Sometimes our focus is on this media blitz that hits us this time of year about sales and the big deals and the way you've got to get moving and you've got to get there early. And sometimes our focus this time of year is on the pangs of concern that begin to sort of flood over us about how we're going to pay for all of these things that we bought. And I think it's just very easy to lose sight of the simplicity and the significance and the beauty of Christmas. And so I thought today we could refresh ourselves in the present uh, by looking into the past. And a good guide for that is Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, we, we note that he did investigation about all of these things about which he wrote. He said, I have investigated, verse 3, everything carefully from the beginning, and I sought to write it out in consecutive order. And he's writing this to a gentleman called Theophilus. And he said, I've done all this for you, and he did it really for us, so that you may know the exact truth about the things that have been taught. What I want to talk about today is the first Christmas greeting. And the first Christmas greeting is found actually one chapter over in Luke, in chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. So if you would turn over to chapter 2, and I want to read verses 8 to 12, invite you to follow along as I'm reading. It says in verse 8, in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So as we look at the first Christmas greeting today, we, we have three things we're going to examine. We're going to take a few moments to look at the recipients of this greeting. We're going to look at the messenger who brings the greeting, and then Thirdly, we're going to look at the greeting itself. So we see the recipients in verse 8, the messenger in verse 9, and the greeting in verses 10 to 12. All right? So let's take a look first at the recipients of the first Christmas greeting. If you look back to verse 8, there's a little phrase there that introduces the first Christmas greeting. It says, in the same region. What region are we talking about? Well, we have to drift back a few verses to verse 4 where it talks about how Joseph went up from Galilee 
from a city called Nazareth, and he traveled to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So when we're talking about the same region, we're talking about that region around Bethlehem. And what is really interesting about this very first Christmas greeting is that it comes to, we learn in verse 8, to some shepherds. Now, if you lived back in that time, you would have found that to be utterly surprising because shepherds had a very lowly occupation. They were actually some of the poorest people who lived in that particular community. And being a shepherd was a very unglamorous thing. Because they were handling animals all the time, they were often ceremonially unclean, and you would have to go through these elaborate ceremonial washings to make you ceremonially clean again. A lot of people didn't want to be a shepherd because of all the responsibility that it added. And many shepherds in that day were quite dishonest and quite untrustworthy. In fact, shepherds were among those who were excluded from even being able to give testimony in a court of law. Shepherds were social outcasts. They were the ultimate in the plain, ordinary people. So here we have this first Christmas greeting that's going to be telling us about the gift of Christmas, and it does not go to Rome and to Caesar Augustus. It does not even go to Syria and Quirinius, who was the local governor. It doesn't go to Jerusalem, to the scribes and the Pharisees, those of organized religion. Now, we we need a freeze frame for a moment. Why? Why does the first Christmas greeting come to shepherds? Well, I, I think part of the reason is that this original Christmas gift that the first Christmas greeting is about, you see, was not just something that was for the elite. It's, it's not just something that was for the wealthy. It's not something that was just for the beautiful people. It's not something that was just for the people in positions of power. It's not something that was just for the rich and the famous. It came to lowly shepherds. And that, men and women, is very encouraging because it means that anybody can qualify for receiving the great gift of Christmas. Now, we learn more about them there in in verse 8. This is kind of interesting. There were some shepherds, and they were staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, what shepherds would do in that day is they they would have these tents, really makeshift tents. They were woven out of goat's hair, and, and wherever they went, they would collapse that, and then they would set it up again at night. And it's interesting in verse 8, it says that there were shepherds, plural, staying out in the fields by night, and they were keeping watch over their flock, singular. Isn't that interesting? How does that all work together? Well, each shepherd would have his own flock, and during the day, the, the various flocks could move around and feed. But what they would often do at night is that they would come together. They would make a makeshift pen, and all of the flocks would stay in one flock at night. Uh, That was a better way to protect yourself from the wild animals and from the thieves who could come to steal the sheep. You would have better safety together, 
And what the shepherds could do is they could take turns sleeping during the night. Uh, If you were watching your own little flock over here, you couldn't do that. But if you come together in this makeshift pen, you could do that. And that's what the language indicates they were doing. Now, if you're a thinking person, you're thinking, okay, that's great, but how, when you put all the sheep in one pen together, how do you separate them later? I mean, you know, they don't brand sheep. Are you going to get into all these arguments? Well, you know, a a reminder of how that works comes from John chapter 10 and verse 4, because Jesus was talking about sheep, and he says, the sheep follow him, the shepherd, because they know his voice. See, that's the way in the morning they would do it. One shepherd would move over here, and he would speak to his sheep, and they would follow him. And then this shepherd would go over there. Now, what is really interesting and fascinating to me is that we learn historically that the temple flock was pastured in this area. In other words, the animals that were used for the morning and evening sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem were actually raised and cared for in this part of Israel. Uh, They were called often the slaughter sheep. And what's interesting to me is that this first Christmas greeting comes to some shepherds who were shepherding the slaughter sheep for the temple. And we know the first Christmas greeting is going to point to Mary's little lamb who was destined for slaughter. You know, sometimes we just need to climb into the pages of Scripture. There was in that region some shepherds. They were staying out in the fields. They were keeping watch over their gathered-together flock, and it all happened by night. Now, you have to put on your imagination cap for just a moment with me. All right, just try to imagine that you're there. You're out there in the countryside. The sheep are all bedded down. It is dark, dark. You know, if you've ever been out in the countryside and there's not a full moon out there, it's dark, dark. So, so just put yourself in the shoes of these shepherds. You got all the sheep bedded down. It's dark, dark. It's been a long day. It's quiet out there, eerily so, and I can just imagine the shepherds are involved in some casual guy talk out there. Hey, did you pay your taxes yet? Have you, have you registered yet? Maybe talking about the impact uh, this, this taxing that was coming was going to have on their paltry budgets. I imagine them talking about their fantasy football leagues out there, you know, how are you doing? You know, how am I doing? All of that kind of stuff. And as they're talking, as guys out there, uh, a few of them are beginning to drift off. And that leads us to the messenger there in verse 9. And notice it says in verse 9, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. Out of nowhere, this angel appears. And, and I think it has to do with some of the art in the church over the years, but often when we think of an angel, we think uh, of this being that sort of looks like a genteel lady in a white sheet. But in reality, (laughs) angels didn't look like that. They were more like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime, all right? So you have to picture this. They're in this dark thing. Everybody's sort of, you know, beginning to wind down, and then suddenly, boom, here's this 
Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime, and it says in verse 9 that the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, if you've lived in Oklahoma, you've experienced this. When you're in the daytime, and you know this incredible, heavy thunderstorm front comes during the day, and it just almost gets to be a little bit like dark. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I have experienced that, but I have never experienced this. Being in the dark, dark, and suddenly, boom, not only is Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime there, but it's like midday, boom, just like that. And it says in verse 9, as the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and understandably, they were terribly frightened. In the original language, it's three words used to describe this. They were fearing with a great fear. The most common translation uh, of this by translations is they were terrified. In fact, in Luke chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, Zacharias has an angel appear to him, and it says, this is the way it's worded there, fear fell on him, you know, like avalanched on him. In Matthew chapter 28, when you have the scene of the resurrection, and you had these tough, rough Roman soldiers there, when the angel appeared... It says the guards shook for fear of him, and they became like dead men. I mean, they just virtually passed out on the ground with fear. And that leads us to the first Christmas greeting in verse 10. When the angel said to them, do not be afraid. You know, you, you can go back and check. In Luke chapter 1, verses 11 and 12 that I mentioned, first words out of the angel's mouth, do not be afraid. Matthew 28, verses 2 to 4, when the angel appears at the, at the tomb, first words out of his mouth, do not be afraid. That tells me that God understands us. One time I counted up 46 times in the Bible, God says to us, do not be afraid. And it's very possible that some of us are here today and we are afraid. Maybe you've gotten a certain health report and you're afraid. Maybe your financial situation is not looking very good and you're afraid. We're hearing a lot about the fiscal cliff we could go off as a culture. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you've had a very painful, broken relationship and you're afraid. Maybe you're just simply being pressed in on by a whole series of difficult circumstances that just seem to be pushing you down and you're afraid. Well, notice what the angel goes on to say. He says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Good news 
of great joy for all the people. How many are included in all the people? Everyone. This is not for just certain people who have a certain social position in life. It's not for certain people of one particular race or one particular nationality. It's not one particular age, one particular sex, one particular educational level. It is good news of great joy for everyone. And he goes on to say in verse 11, For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That word Savior comes from a word, a verb that means to make safe, to deliver someone from a threat. We could translate Savior a deliverer, a rescuer. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a rescuer who is Christ the Lord. Two times in the Gospels this word Savior is used of Jesus. In John 4.42 he is described as the Savior of the world, the rescuer of the world. And he, it says there, is Christ the Lord. He is God in a human body. And he has come to be the Savior, to be the rescuer, to be the deliverer. To deliver from what? Well, well, well not to deliver from the Romans. You know, not, not to deliver them from big government, which they were struggling with, or from outrageous taxes. No, he came to deliver from something far more insidious, far more dangerous to every individual. He came to deliver, to rescue us from sin and from death. Later on in the New Testament, it says this, in 1 John 4, 14, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world to be the rescuer of the world. And then in 2 Timothy 1.10, Christ Jesus, our Savior, who broke the power of death and showed us the way to everlasting life through the gospel. Men and women, the truth of the matter is everyone in that day and everyone in our day, we need a Savior. We need a rescuer. Missionary, John Hyde, who, by the way, had the nickname Praying Hyde, said this concerning the subject of salvation. He said, if every person in the world had adequate food, housing, income, if all men were equal, if every possible social evil and injustice were done away with, men would still need one thing, Christ, because there is no other answer for sin and death and judgment. That is the core of the first Christmas greeting. Now, I want you to notice that this first Christmas greeting closes with some directions. We see them in verse 12. It says, For there will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
there's, the first Christmas greeting is about a baby, but there were numerous babies in Bethlehem. But only one would be lying in a manger, a fatne in the original language. Some translations translate fatne a feed trough. So the word develops from a verb that meant to eat. Um, it could refer to a cave stall. It could refer to a lean-to that they would set up. And it's, it's amazing how easy this whole story and its simplicity can get distorted. You know, church tradition is that the, the fatne was a cave-like stable. And in 330 A.D., Constantine, the Roman um, emperor, built a church around a location that they felt was the original location, and that became the Church of the Nativity. That church was later remodeled. And if you go to Israel today, you'll go to this Church of Nativity, and you'll walk in there, and there's this marble fireplace there that is the supposed original location. It just takes away from the whole ambiance that God wanted to communicate to us. You see, if you're in a manger where animals are, you're going to have stench that is there. And that's part of the imagery. See, that's why the baby is found there, because he was coming to deal with the stench and the stain of sin. How many people here, I want to actually see hands, how many people have ever driven by a feed lot? Let me see hands, okay. A great majority of us have. You drive by the feedlot, how do you know you're near a feedlot? Holy cow, does it stink. And that's, that's the imagery, that's the environment that Christ, the Son of God, came to. There was stench there because of sin, the sin of rebellion. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. The sin of deception. Let's twist the truth. I'll lie a little bit here and there. The sin of betrayal. The sin of misuse. The sin of abuse. The sin of lust. The sin of pride. I'm the greatest thing that ever happened. You know, that kind of stuff. That stench of sin he came to deal with. This very first Christmas greeting has to do with a baby. But let's not get fixated on the baby. Because this baby goes from living in a manger to hanging on a cross to rising from the dead to ascending into heaven to one day coming back to this planet in judgment. Awesome. Awesome, the content of the first Christmas greeting. Now, as we get ready to, to close our time, I want to just ask two questions for reflection. Two questions for reflection. The first question is this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is Jesus your Savior? Is Jesus your deliverer? Is he your rescuer? You see, we embrace him as our Savior by faith. In John chapter 3, Verses 16 and 18. This is, I'm reading from the voice. It says this. 
For God expressed his love for the world in this way. He gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not face everlasting destruction, but will have everlasting life. And then verse 18, no one who believes in him has to fear condemnation, yet condemnation is already the reality for everyone who refuses to believe because they reject the name of the only Son of God. Is he your Savior right now, today? See, whoever you are, whatever you do, wherever you are in life, it makes no difference if you're an outcast of society or if you're in the highest class of society. Jesus Christ is ready to free you from your sins and to transform your life. You can just do that right where you sit. In your heart, that transaction can take place. Is Jesus your Savior? Second question for reflection. Am I honoring him with my life? Isn't it good just to pause in this Christmas season and ask yourself that question? In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and I'm going to read from the voice again. It's just a little fresh wording. It says this. We have cause to celebrate because the grace of God has appeared. That's what the first Christmas greeting was all about, offering the gift of salvation to all people. And grace arrives with its own instruction, running away from anything that leads us away from God. Run away, we should, from anything that leads us away from God. Abandon the lusts and passions of this world. Live life now in this age with awareness and self-control. This is how grace instructs us. Doing the right thing and keeping yourselves holy. Am I honoring him with my life? Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you so much for the truth of your word. What a great joy it is to be able to just open up the scriptures and be reminded of what Christmas is all about. We pray for everyone here that they would understand and know the person of Christ as their rescuer. Just do that by faith to tell you from their heart to your heart. That's what they want to do. And Father, for those of us who know you, may we be men and women, young people who are honoring you with our life because that's the only reasonable thing to do for the one who came to give his life for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we have a very special morning because we have children who are going to sing for us. And so we now have in this service our preschoolers who are going to come.
And uh, what a fun time this is to see all of our preschoolers. And I know we have a lot of parents and uh, relatives that are here. Feel free to use your cameras. And uh, oh, here, guys, let me move this a little more for you, for out of your way. What a great family time. We look forward to this every year. I don't know how many years we have been doing this, where we've been bringing our kids in to sing. In some ways, we have the most fun here with these preschoolers because they're the youngest ones of all. Probably need to... uh, We're getting there. Good job, everybody. Everybody's doing well. So enjoy just a moment or two here. They'll be ready to sing. Holidays 
Great job, kids. Let's thank them one more time. Thanks to the teachers, teaching those songs as well, to work with them. We appreciate all that you've done. I'd say we definitely have a few worship team, future worship team members in this group. Great job, everybody. Let's all go ahead and stand and sing together as the kids are leaving. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply, echo back their joyous strains. Joseph, lend your aid 
With us sing our Savior's birth. Gloria in excelsis Deo. great morning and uh, really makes me want to say glory to God in the highest. Not only everything that we've been able to share with you about ready for takeoff, but just being able to share the message of the Christmas story again and then to be able to see all these young lives and we would pray every one of them uh, really grows up to make a difference for his kingdom. Um, I want to just lead us in in a word of prayer And, and just before I do that, I want to say if you're here today and you You'd love to have somebody pray with you about an issue, anything you're burdened about. If you'd like to learn more about trusting in, in Jesus as your deliverer and your rescuer, we have some people who will be available after the service up here uh, by these stairs at the foot of the cross. They'd be happy to just pray with you for a moment. But let's pray together. Father, we just thank you so much for the person of Jesus Christ because it's because of him that we're even here today. And Father, we want to again thank you for the blessing that you have brought to us as a church family um, through the way that our Ready for Takeoff initiative has been just such a resounding accomplishment. And we would pray, Father, for literally thousands of people to be touched with the person of Christ here and around the world because of what we're able to do because of that. We, We thank you for each little life that was out here singing, Father. And I would pray they're going to grow into men and women. And we would pray that each one of them would be difference makers for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We would pray this would be an incubator that can give them a vision, not only for our community, but for the world to make a difference. Because we want to honor the person of Jesus Christ. We want to honor the one who gave his life for us. Thank you for that privilege. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Go and have a great, great, great week.